Welcome to Champions Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Nolan Edwards. To learn more about Champions Church, visit GodsChampions.com. Ready for word number four. It's a lot of good words this morning. A lot of good encouragements. And we're going to open the word. Anybody ready for the word? There was something last week that stuck out to me that I felt like I need to expound upon. It's one phrase, and I'm going to get to that phrase in a moment. And, but I want to talk to you this morning about He breaks us to makes us. He breaks us to make us. He breaks us to make us. I took the ass off that makes this time. He <laughs> He breaks us to make us. Let me read a passage real quick in Romans 5, 3 through 4. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. It's a funny thing what we do in the kingdom of God. But we run, when we run into trials, when we run into difficulties, we rejoice. It says in James chapter 1, verse, uh, verses 2, 3, I believe it is. In chapter 1, it says, consider it all joy when trials come. We're reading in Romans 5, it says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Why? Because we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. How many of you, through your experience with God, are feeling pretty strengthened? It says in Proverbs 20, verse 30, it says this. It says, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Interesting. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. There's a process to break through in your life that God will take you through a breaking in order to make you. To encounter God's process of Him stripping you, what happens is this. This is what God's goal is. You ready? This is what God's goal is, is to strip you of self-sufficiency so that you can experience a new level of His goodness, a new level of His reality in your life. How many are ready for a new level with God? How many, are you, how many of you are ready for a breaking? How many of you say, whatever it takes, God, whatever it takes? Let me tell you, I mentioned, this is the phrase I used last week about brokenness. Brokenness is when God intervenes in your life through a negative set of circumstances to attack a flaw in your personality. Brokenness is when God intervenes in your life through a negative set of circumstances to attack a flaw in your personality. There's a flaw in your humanity that desperately needs to be addressed, and he recognizes that at the core of it is dependence or self-sufficiency and to strip you and me of it, and he begins through a process called breaking. And every single one in this room, somewhere along the way, you're going to go through a breaking. But it's not to destroy you, it's to make you what God wants you to be. And let me tell you something. 
Let me tell you something, Lexi, this morning. You can trust God. You're in the hand of God. When you know that he's, you're in his hand, he's a good father, and he knows how to break you properly. Not to destroy you, but to make you. To encourage your life. How many of you know you have three parts? There's three parts of you. Soul, body, soul, and spirit. Let me explain a moment. I've taught on this, but let me explain this morning. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it talks about, and may your soul, let me re, let's just read the whole thing. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, that is, separate you from profane and vulgar things, make you pure and whole and undamaged, consecrated to him, set apart for his purpose. That's sanctification. What sanctification? Let's read that again. Say it with me within the parentheses. That is, come on, separate you from profane and vulgar things, make you pure and whole and undamaged, consecrated to him, set apart for his purpose. Now that's a great statement. That's the amplified, that amplifies what sanctification is. And we're in the process of this. And it says, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept complete and be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And how many of you know he's coming soon? A body, soul, spirit. A body, let's see, let me expound on the three for a moment. A body allows you to function through your five senses in the physical world. That's your body. They help you to relate to the world around you with your senses and the five senses that you have. Your soul enables you to relate to yourself. Your soul is your personhood. The reason that you know that you are you and that you are here, the body helps you to function in the world around you and the soul helps you to function with you. Your spirit. Your spirit allows you to function with God. The body and the five senses engages the world. Let's engages the world around you. The soul engages with you, and the spirit engages with God. Everyone that is born into this world is born in the world, listen, with a scarred soul. A scarred soul. Sin has scarred our soul. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We are born into this world, if you will, flawed. Now that shows itself in a lot of different ways and a lot of, for a lot of different people. And there's a scarring of the soul. Some of that has, was transferred to you by your mother, to your dad, from your father. And that's we find ourselves doing the things that our parents did. Have you ever noticed that? Because we pick up some of the scarring from them. We didn't just pick up their looks. We picked up some of their scarring as well. And then there's the scarring, and then the scarring is increased by what happens to us, circumstances that can be overwhelming to us, by wrong that was done to us, and by wrong that was done by us. All of these things add up to the scarring of the soul, and this scarring of the soul breeds independence from God. When a person receives Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit invades 
the human spirit, giving them the ability to now receive something called spiritual data. And when the Holy Spirit enters the human spirit, the human spirit, which is now infused by the Holy Spirit, invades the soul to transform it and to get rid of the scars. Next Saturday is a scar removal session. Let me say that again. Next Saturday is a scar removal gathering. Paul said to, Paul wrote, he says, I pray that you prosper even as your soul prospers. Why? Because there is a, a soul that needs to be unscarred. And let me tell you something. There's not one scar that you have that Jesus cannot heal. And he will, and he will heal. But we have a part to play in the healing, in the receiving, in the acknowledgement. We begin to receive spiritual DNA when we come to know Jesus Christ and and the Holy Spirit invades our soul to transform it and get rid of the scars. See, He wants to strip away the scars of the soul which causes us to do all the wrong things that we do with our bodies. The addictions, the lapses, the frantics, the reactions. The things that cause us to go into oppression because they trigger memories of the scarred soul. The things that make us lean upon things that we shouldn't lean upon. The things that make us go to do what we know we shouldn't do but the scar wins and this, it overrides sometimes the spirits moving because we have a scarred soul and maybe because we haven't relented and allow the spirit of God to break it to make it so we do the we do wrong with our bodies because we have scars on our soul that the Holy Spirit wants to heal so that we function in a way that brings glory to God and brings us good. Can I pause for a moment, by the way? Don't lose track, and I'll come back to this. But I have to say a huge welcome back to Tamar and Cindy from Egypt. They just got back. We love you. Next week, I want to hear some praise reports. My brother, I told you, and sister, I told you, the enemy did not want you to go there and stopped you in every single way possible. But God said he wants you in Egypt. And when you got there, I believe he revealed that more and more and more. So we thank God for you. We celebrate you. I need to take a commercial break with Zephyr Hills for a second. God breaks us to make us. But he breaks us 
He breaks us to remake us. And I want, to, I want us to follow the story of Genesis chapter 20. It starts in Genesis chapter 22. We have a breakthrough, a breaking occurring in the life of Jacob. One of the patriarchs, Abraham, I mean, uh, uh, we have Abraham, we have Isaac, we have Jacob, or the three of the patriarchs that are started this journey in the faith. We walk in, and Jacob has a name. And Jacob's name literally means, if you look at the name, which is important in biblical times, trickster. It has a name called, and its name means trickster. His name also means heel grabber, supplanter, deceiver. Jacob's name fit his character. Because he did all of those things, that is a description of his name. Heel grabber, supplanter, deceiver. In the Bible, names matter. And we name people, we name people, like in the Western culture, because we like the name. I like that name. I'm going to name my son, or I'm going to name my daughter. And, you know, actually, we did name our kids. Pretty, well, I know we named one of them because it had meaning, like Jaron means to sing. And the guy sings with that guitar. He sings with his life, and, and he's doing that. And he's going to do that more. I know. I, I see things ahead of time for his life. He's brilliant producer. He's brilliant in a lot of ways. But we name people because we name we in the Bible names had meaning. They had the, the, I'm going to name you because it has this meaning. For some reason Jacob got trickster. Jacob got deceiver, supplanter, grab heel grabber. What is heel grabber? Well, see when he was being born. His brother was coming out and he grabbed his heel. Like, we're going to, you know, you know, I don't sure, I'm going to come out first. You know, it's like this guy was, his name had meaning and he lived up to his name. Jesus was Jacob, sorry, Jacob was a born deceiver from the time that he left his mother's womb. Like I said, he grabbed Esau's heel. He tricked his brother, how many remember, he tricked his brother out of his birthright. He comes to a crisis, though. Let's move ahead in the story. He comes to a crisis in chapter 32. And the crisis is, is he looks, he, the crisis is that it looks like his brother's tired of him and he's coming to kill him. And let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 32, verse 6. After delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and reported, we met your brother Esau, and he is already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. Then Jacob was greatly afraid, so he divided his family into two camps, hoping that if he hit one, the other one would be protected. And so he divided them in two camps because he's very much afraid, because he remembers he stole his birthright. He remembered when he left, his brother was fit to be tied and wanted to kill him then. And he's thinking he's showing up, with the 400 men, he's going to take me out. Finally. It says, though, in Genesis chapter 32, 9 through 11, he says, then Jacob, it says, then Jacob prayed, oh God. And how many of you have ever been that point in your life where you just got to a point all by yourself and you said, oh God. Probably yesterday. Oh God, my father Abraham and God, the father of Isaac, oh Lord, you told me. Return to your own land and to, to your relatives. And you promised I will treat you kindly. 
I'm not worthy of all the unfailing love and faithfulness you have shown to me, your servant. When I left home and crossed the river, Jordan River, I owned nothing except a walking stick. Now my household fills two large camps. Oh Lord, please rescue, rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he's coming to attack me along with my wives and children. What happens? Verse 24. So Jacob, through a series of events, finds himself all alone in camp. And as he's all alone in the camp, a man came, it says, the Bible says, and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. Jacob was alone because no one could help him. He's by himself. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you felt like there's people all around, but you're standing by yourself. You, only you can go through with what you got to go through. This is where Jacob was because nothing around him could make a difference. This is something he's got to walk through. Jacob is all alone. He's by himself. He had been stripped. Now watch this. Jacob has a problem for his brother is after him, and he prays to God, and he prays, but things seem to get worse because now after he prays, someone shows up at night and is re wrestling with him until daybreak. But it says in Genesis chapter 32, verse 25, when the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hit, hip and wrenched it out of its socket. When this stranger saw that Jacob wasn't quitting, when, Jacob, when, the, when this man saw that Jacob wasn't throwing in the towel, he wasn't giving up, that Jacob wasn't just running away, he saw that he was prevailing against him, he touched the socket of his thigh, and the socket of, his, of Jacob's thigh was dislocated as he wrestled with him. So the man had to disconnect something and make it worse because he noticed he's not giving up. And it says he fought and they wrestled till daybreak and he would not let go. You see, when God is trying to break you, he'll make it bad. But if, and if you're not responding, he's going to make it worse. I'm telling you, God's going to break you to make you. And if you're not responding and you're, you're not responding to him, he's going to do something. He's going to make it worse. He's trying to move your core, the thing that you are counting on to deliver you that's not him. Genesis 32 verse 26 says, Then the man said, Let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob says, I will not let you go, listen, until you bless me. Then the man said, Let me go. That means, that means something. It means that Jacob was holding on to the man. And he would not let him go. You, get, you need to let me go. Even with a dislocated hip, Jacob was letting the man go. So he's not letting the man go. He won't let him go. So he's hurting, but yet he's holding on. I want you to understand that he's hurting, but yet he's still holding on. See, church, it's easy when God is trying to break you to let go of God. 
just to let go of God in the breaking. It's easy to say when God is trying to strip you, it's easy to give in, give in to this, that I don't want it anymore. But Jacob says, you hurt me, but I'm still going to hold on to you. I believe this. I believe Jacob got to a point of his life of such desperation that he says, I'm not running anymore. I'm not running from this anymore. I'm not doing this in my own strength anymore. I'm in pain, but I'm holding on. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, this breaking's too hard for me. I'm going to let go. But let me tell you something. Hold on. You shall reap a harvest of blessing if you do not faint. There is a, there is a blessing in the breaking. Because God is making you what He wants you to be. You walk through the valleys that are difficult. They are difficult. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because I know that God is with me. Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. But it's an interesting thing. All we know is that this is a stranger, and the stranger doesn't have a name. This guy has come at night when, when he's already scared. This man is wrestling with him, and now this man has dislocated his socket, and he's, and he's, he's saying, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going from trying to win a fight, and now I need a blessing. And how do you go from fighting for my life to bless me? The only reason that you would ask someone to bless you is if you knew that they could, re you, they could give you that blessing. Can you say amen? So he knew the person. There's something inside him that knows. See, when the stranger dislocates its hip, because it didn't happen until then, when his strength is gone, it dawns on Jacob that this is not a human match. It's a man, but it's not a human. There's more to this battle than just the fight I'm in. I'm in the fight of my life, but there is more to this battle than the fight that I'm in. And you need to understand that this morning, there's more to the battle that you're facing right now than the fight that you're in. There's more, than you can, there's more that you need to see that you can't see in front of you. There's things that God's doing behind the scenes and that are deeper, that He's preparing you for what He's prepared for you, but He needs to break you to make you, to get you to where you need to go. So there's way more than you see, but you also need to understand it's not man's hand, it's God's hand that's in the breaking. And that's when you can rest, but that's also when you need to adjust. You need to allow God to do the breaking. You need to, go, you need to relent and let God. You need to place it at His feet and say, God, I'm tired of holding on to this. I'm tired of controlling this. And I'm letting you go. I'm letting you go. I'm letting you do it, for I know I can't prevail and you will. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, this says, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on the green matter between your ears. Don't rely upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. If 
You see, something spiritual is occurring here. That's why he's asking for a blessing. It's spiritual. So until the dislocation happens, he didn't realize that this was a spiritual battle. So here's what I, here's, here's what I don't want you to do this morning. I don't want you to mistake the hand of God for the hand of man in your life. You see, he's wrestling a man, but in reality, he's dealing with God. If all you see is what you see, then you're not seeing all that needs to be seen. Can somebody say amen? God will take you through difficulties that are visible or that can touch that you can touch, taste, see, or hear, or bring realities to you that are invisible. He wants to have your undivided attention. If you try to push him off up here, up here, he's going to touch you down here. Jacob was fighting. He was wrestling all night. And he says, the man, the man realized he wasn't going to relent. He wasn't letting go. How many of you know this? Let me tell you something. You need to hold on to God until he gives you that blessing. You don't need to let go. You don't need to run. You don't need to give in to your past. You don't need to give in to your hurts. You don't need to give in to your insecurities. You need to run to him, stay there, and hold on because God's going to move on your behalf. Sometimes it means show up on a Saturday to bring, let God work deeper. Sometimes it's to have a social appointment. Sometimes it's to have a counseling appointment. Sometimes it's to get into the Word yourself and let the Holy Spirit go, I want to do this in your life. I need you to adjust. And then we do that. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So if all you see is what you see, then you're not seeing all that needs to be seen. God will take you through difficulties that are visible. You can taste, touch, see, hear. If you try to push him up here, he's going to dislocate it down here. And Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It says in Genesis 32, 27, the man asked Jacob this. He says, what's your name? Do you think he knew? Wait, wait, wait. Do you think this man actually already knew his name? I think so. Why would he ask him his name? He says, my name's Jacob. Because he wanted Jacob to announce, to confess who he is and who he was. I'm Jacob, supplanter, deceiver. I'm not going to let you go, though, till you bless me. Oh, you want a blessing, he says. Mm-hmm. So what's your name? Remember, names have meaning. When he said, what's your name? The translation is that is, describe yourself to me. When he asked him his name, if you look into the, the actual meaning of what he was saying, he was saying, describe yourself to me. Are you willing to admit your name? Are you willing to acknowledge that you're a deceiver? Are you willing to acknowledge that you're a trickster? Are you willing to acknowledge that you are a flawed person that has lived their lives using evil to get by? Because it's all wrapped up in your name. See, what God wants to know is, from you and from me, are you willing to come clean with who you really are when you're alone with Him? 
when you're wrestling. Now your name may not be Jacob, but maybe you're here today and your name is Liar once in a while. Maybe your yes isn't yes and your no, no. Maybe your name isn't Jacob, but your name is Cheater. Maybe your name isn't Jacob, but your name is Gossip. Criticizer. Stealer. Luster. Victim. Some of you this morning, you have become a victim, but then your victim, what has happened in your, with that being a victim? Maybe it's abuse, which is so prevalent in our society today because of scarred souls that release scarred souls to scarred souls. Pain that releases pain that releases pain. Oh, there's no, there's no excuse except somewhere along the way the chain must be broken and the power of God can do that. But my point is Christ, because of what Christ has done on the cross, you're designed to be a victor, though you were a victim. And the heart, and the heart of God is for you, and He's not against you. And He never planned for those things to happen in your life. And so it's not designed to be your title for life, because He's made you a victor. So then your mess becomes your message. Your test becomes your testimony. And your brokenness becomes your healing. And then you walk in healing. But there has to be a point where you go, I was a victim. But now I'm a victor. There's many people in the body of Christ that keep replaying the wheel, the film of yesterday. And they can't see tomorrow because they keep replaying the wheel and the film of yesterday. But God, God gets a place to where Bob mentioned a few weeks ago, we keep fishing for it. Remember? We keep fishing for the things that God's forgotten. But there's a point, there's a scar that maybe you are holding that the Lord, that you need to recognize is a scar, that you recognize is a problem, that you recognize that God wants to heal, and that you need healing, so that you walk in full measure of what God wants you to walk into. And that when you walk into relationships or you new relationships, they don't scare you because you're afraid of what they may do to you. Or you filter things from your past instead of being able to see things according to what Christ has done for you. Because you need to allow healing in your life. Your may, name may not be Jacob, but maybe your name is these other things. What is that character in your life that is against the will and the character of God that keeps Him from blessing you? to the next level. 
You see, and He will wrestle with you, God will, until you say your name. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That is my new identity. But it, my, my scarred soul doesn't fully understand every part of it. It needs to be enlightened. It needs to, the Word of God needs to bring light to my past. I know many people that have given their life to Jesus Christ but are still scarred in their soul so they don't live a victorious life. I see people all the time. They come and they get powerfully touched by God. They hit the floor. They get obviously touched by God. And they had an encounter with God. But they get up and three weeks later they haven't changed. Why? There's a scarring of the soul that needs to be fixed. Does that make sense? We need the powerful touch of God, but it's the impetus to move forward so that we can have entire, complete breakthrough. Sometimes God takes these things and they're just, bam, gone from our life, and I never struggle with it again. But let me tell you something, it's always a responsibility factor for us to be responsible, to be in the Word, to apply the Word, and to remain in the Word, and then have people around us of accountability that are men and women of God, so that we can walk this life complete, whole, strong, new. Somebody say amen. Jacob says, my name is Jacob, the deceiver. Genesis chapter 20, 32, verse 28, the man said to him, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Hmm. Your name will no longer be Jacob. I'm going to change your name. Meaning, I'm going to change your character. You got, a new you, you, you got a new reality in your life, Jacob. Now you're going to see what it looks like when God runs the show in your life. Because God will prevail. You're going to find out what it looks like when I, when I turn something around because I will prevail, the Lord says. You won't have to live your life of trickery anymore. I'm giving you a new name. You won't have to deceive, be a deceiver anymore and try to fix it yourself because I'm going to change your name. You see, some people have a name called education. They have a BA and an MBA and a PhD. I think that's awesome. I have some of that stuff. And their education, though, has made them self-sufficient. See, God's going to change your name. Some have a name called money because we define our sufficiency by our bank account and by our credit Card limits, and let me tell you something, God's going to change your name. Some people have relationships that they feel they need to get where they need to go, but if you want to experience God, who's, who's going to, He's going to change your name. He will cause your relationships to fall through that you were counting on to get you somewhere, and they will not be able to pull it off as you were thinking to bring that what you were hoping in your life because of that relationship. And let me tell you something, God does God alignments. But let me tell you something, if, the, if those alignments in your life become bigger than God himself, let me tell you something, God's going to change your name. 
God brings us to a point where we understand that we are not sufficient within ourselves. It says in Genesis 32, verse 29, Please tell me your name, Jacob said to him. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied, Then he blessed Jacob there. I believe the man was basically saying, God was saying to him, You ought to know by now, Everything you tried, I blocked. Every contact that you made, I stopped. Every time you thought you didn't have any more debts, I, I let another one break loose in your life. You ought to know my name by now. It ought to be clear. Who's, who, who is it that you're dealing with? And you know, Genesis thirty-two thirty, Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he said, I have, I've seen God's face, face to face, yet my life has been spared. I've seen God face to face. The face, yet my life has been spared. Here's where it gets really good. Genesis 32, 31. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. But I want to take you back to something. Hebrews eleven twenty one. I'm going to take you to Hebrews eleven twenty one, and it says that when he blessed his grandchildren way in the future. When Jacob blessed his grandchildren, in order to bring them blessing, he had to lean on his staff. So years later, he's still limping. So if Jacob were to walk up here today, he'd walk with a limp. See, that's not a bad limp, that's a blessed limp. What, I'm, what am I talking about? Because a few years ago, what he would say is before, a, a few years ago, I was independent and self-sufficient. I made, ha, made it happen all, of my, all by myself. I, it, I was a self-appointed. I was a deceiver. I was this. God broke me down. This would be his testimony and separated my socket. And every time I get up somewhere to go somewhere, I'm reminded about my weakness. I'm reminded about it through my limp. I'm reminded about my dependency. I'm now dependent upon Him. I'm reminded that I can't make it without Him. Every step I take and every move I make, God is reminding me not to be a big-headed person because I have another hip and He can touch that too. I've been blessed, but what was the blessing? When he was talking about being blessed, he was talking about what God said about in verse 12. But you promised me, I will surely treat you kindly, and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore, too many to count. You see, your blessing is something God has planned for you in the past that he's not free to do, but yet because you are not broken down far enough for him to free you to do it. And everybody in the room can say, oh me. So maybe some of us in this room need to start limping before God causes us to limp so that we can walk broken before Him. For God gives grace to the humble. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. God looks to and fro throughout the earth and He looks to see who 
Who's really following after him? For in that is blessing. I think we can come on either on our accord or his, and I would rather be that one that says, God, I'm all yours now, and take anything, any part of my life that I'm holding back, anything that needs to be fixed, anything in my heart that needs to be adjusted, and take me, all of me. I hold nothing back. I'll do what I need to do. I'll go where I need to go. And Lord, bring healing to my heart. Closing this morning, how many of you remember those old-fashioned piggy banks? Remember the piggy banks? And uh, I think I've only had one of those. But I remember them well. It was when I was a kid and probably before then, obviously. Many of you remember the piggy banks with the little slit on the top. And you would put the coins in, right? in the piggy bank to save your money, and when it was time to get your money, you shook the piggy bank to get some money out. You see, you took the pig and you turned it upside down and you shook it. Now, the reason that you shook it is because there was something valuable on the inside that you wanted to come to the outside. The harder you you could shake it, I mean, the harder it was to come out, the harder you shook it, and you wanted the money because it was stuck on the inside, but you needed it on the outside, so you shook it. And after a while, you get tired of the shaking because it wasn't coming out like you wanted it to, so you went to get a hammer, and you begin to break your piggy bank. <laughs> I'll get that money out of there. <laughs> I'm just tired of waiting for that money to come out of that sl- <laughs> So you get the hammer because you got tired of it not responding to the shaking. Okay, so let's think about this. God will start the shaking because there is something valuable within you. But if you don't respond to the shaking, he will go get the hammer because he, will, he has to break you in order to get all of the good stuff that's inside of you to come out for your good and for his glory. God breaks us in order to make us. Let's stand together. Let's stand. Did you guys receive this message today? You need to understand. All of us need to understand. Sometimes we blame others immediately. The things that come after us, or oh, this is really popular. This is Satan's plan. I remember Job and how Satan asked permission to go after Job. He asked permission of God. Jesus said to one of the disciples, he says, the enemy's asked to sift you. There is a, there's a reality that there are things that God, God doesn't bring sickness to your life or he'd be a child abuser. 
And there's things that do happen. But there's my, my point my point is is that every single thing is not the enemy and every single thing is not man. But there are sometimes there's God in the picture to bring a breaking that's needed in your life. Either way, we never lose trust. We stay held fast. I'm not giving up. I'm holding on, even though it hurts. I'm considering it all joy when I'm facing trials and tribulations because I know that you're going to work these things out for my good. I don't know even where some of this even originated, but God, I trust you for I know that you cause all things to work together for the good to those who are in Christ Jesus, and I'm your son. But understand this, if there's character flaws in your life, God doesn't want them there. And he will break you to make you. There's a song that goes, you won't relent until you have it all. You guys know that song? Great song. You won't relent until you have it all. He's not going to relent. Why? He loves you that much. So what do we need to do? We need to relent and let him have it all. Amen? I'm going to ask our altar workers to come. And uh, let's, just, let's just bow our heads for a moment. And you guys be, if you guys have any words of knowledge, I'll ask you for that in a minute. For people's healing or whatever. Father, in Jesus' name, we come humbly and say, Father, we receive your word, but Father, we pray that you would highlight within our hearts and our lives those things that you're highlighting, that you're waiting for us to relent and let go and let God, let you rule reign, heal, strengthen. Help us to recognize the Father that the trials around us, because you're with us, we can be joyful because we know that you're going to work through those in and through us. And you'll never allow more than we can handle at any time. Actually, I understand that there's many times we can't seem to handle it, but we run to you because you can. I pray your peace that passes understanding. Father, would just come in this room and just begin to touch each and every heart. And then they flow from a place of acceptance, not of rejection. Because everyone in this room is accepted and loved by you. They're not rejected. Matter of fact, you sent the man to Jacob because, um, well, most likely, maybe it was Jesus pre-incarnate, he was fighting it. No matter what, he was your agent. And who Jacob was wrestling with, was wrestling with you. You were with him in the battle. 
You came in the midst of him being the trickster, in the midst of him being the deceiver, and you came and you showed up so that you could change his name. I pray for every single one that they would walk from a place today that they're accepted, that they're loved. And from that place, they allow you, their heavenly father, who is so good, to make the adjustments in their hearts and their lives and to highlight them, to recognize them and to see things from a spiritual perspective in the circumstances that they face. In every part of it, they recognize that resonates within their heart, within their mind, within their very being, that you are good. Even in the breaking, and especially in the breaking, you are good. There's no reason to fear. There's no reason to be traumatized. There's only reason to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. Because you are good, even in the breaking. For you said, you, you said Lord, you, you talked about in your word about you discipline those you love. And some of us feel very loved because we feel very disciplined. But Father, you discipline us because you love us and you want to groom us for greatness. With everyone in this room, Father, I pray that they just be obedient. We will be obedient to what you highlight. We will relent so that you can have it all. Break us, Father. We give you permission. We want to have greater understanding of what you're doing so that we can come in an agreement with you so that you can make us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. second and as I lead you in this song about Lord I give you my heart it's a good old song just want you to respond whatever the Holy Spirit wants you to respond maybe actually do you guys have any words of knowledge you got some Graham? earlier when we were in worship I just felt like the Lord saying that there's people in here that have been struggling with hopelessness um, and just on the verge of giving up it could look like a variety of ways, but I just felt like the Lord wanted to bring strength and strengthen those that have been dealing with being weary and dealing with hopelessness and bring an infusion of hope. Um, yeah. um, I want to pray for lower back pain. And then also, um, as the pastor was ministering, I was hearing, uh, if you put down given up, you know, uh, Brian mentioned struggling with hopelessness, but if you feel that you've gone beyond that part and you've actually given up, you've laid it down, that gift, that calling, I uh, want to pray for that. I have two, and they both involve the feet. I don't know if it's one person or several. The first one is pain in the left heel. The other one is pain in the toes of the right foot. Amen. Any other ones? 
So if, if, if those, any of those, if any of those are you, just come on forward. The Lord wants to touch you. Holy Spirit's highlighting them because, well, He just wants to bring healing to your life. And if you're here today and you don't know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus. Jesus is the one that takes your junk and replaces it with His righteousness, your pain. And He re-gives you instead of your pain and your brokenness, He brings healing. Just come. You want to give your life to Jesus? Any one of these guys will hear. Jesus came to heal, save. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Can we just surround the room? Can we just lift our hands and just say, thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Let's sing this. Lord, I give. Thanks for listening to Champions Church Sermon of the Week. Be sure to subscribe for more content each week. If you'd like to learn how you can partner with us, visit GodsChampions.com.